This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new champion! But I'm better than you, and you know it! D-M-D. Acknowledge me! I'm hurt, and I'm old, and I'm tired, and I work with children. Well, ding-dong, hello! Embrace the vision! And we want the smoke! Lately, he just hasn't been very oozy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wednesday Worldwide. Worldwide? A proud member of the faction known as the Ringer Wrestling Show. My name is Ben Cruz, and I'm a producer here at the Ringer. And with me, as always, are my tag team partners. Senior editor at TheRinger.com, Cal Davenport. And of course, the super producer, here at the Ringer, Mr. Brian H. Waters, gentlemen, I I don't know about y'all. I'm still in tears, recovering from the Cody Rhodes Paul Heyman segment on oh Raw. <laughs> uh, be honest, how hard were each of you crying? Just just let it open. This is a this is a open therapy session right now. It was beautiful to see. I mean, because Paul Heyman's not a person that you normally get. I don't want to say get one over, but like, you know, he's always like five steps ahead. So for him to have to take a pause and be like, damn, he was taking it back for a second. Like, yeah, no, that was beautiful to see. And I I guess I didn't realize how connected they were. And I I think from what I've been hearing in in the days since, a lot of that is true. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it learning, seeing those stories told in the ring, and then learning more about them. Yeah, nah, it 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 hits in the uh, in the old ticker right there. Someone was cutting onions in my in my living room that night. <laughs> so, this is what I love about pro wrestling. Right, you never know what you're gonna get on Monday Night Raw, and we can think we have all the answers, and then the questions change. Mm-hmm. That right there, that simple promo made the Cody story so much more important. And I saw a quote, and it was kind of like, duh, but it was reported that they didn't want it to feel secondary to Sammy. And my thing is, why can't they all feel important? Mm. To me, this balanced the table. You know, we come from the Attitude Era where everything was a story. At one point, you had Austin beefing with 
Vince McMahon on one end, but he was still beefing with The Undertaker. Right. We didn't know at the time the corporate ministry was going to come together, right. but he had equal problems. And that's what I want to see. I want to see the tribal chief have equal problems. I mean, Paul Heyman might have saved this whole Cody Rhodes thing, <laughs> to be honest. And I would like to formally apologize to the wise man because <laughs> a couple a couple months ago, I uttered the sentence, does the bloodline need Paul Heyman? Uh, it turns out, yes. It turns out I was an idiot, and I was very, very wrong. So, wise man, uh, the goat, Paul Heyman, you're the king of kings here. All respect to Triple H. He would probably say something like this. Well, certainly, Ben Cruz, I don't think you're an idiot. I just think we all are wrong sometimes. Because you know a broken clock is right twice a day. That's right. Thank you, Mr. Heyman, for, for joining us at the top of Wednesday Worldwide. Guys, let's kick things off the right way. With some high spot headlines, and you know the deal. I'm going to read out some of the biggest headlines of the week. And whoever wants to tag in and let it fly, let it fly. First up, Gunther, the artist formerly known as Walter, feels that Brock Lesnar can be a final boss for him. Licking the chops at the thought of this wrestling match. We got a little tease of it at the Rumble, but I mean... Uh, how how fast are you guys clearing your calendars to watch this match? I I would love to be there. I mean, it's Gunther. You mentioned the Rumble. One of my favorite moments in the Rumble. In think I I I'd previously had watched uh, the Cody Rhodes uh, the Black Peck match at, at, mm-hmm. at Hell in a Cell, and that and that's the last time we saw him in the ring. So having having Gunther be there at the end of the Rumble and be the one chopping him in the chest. Like that was immediately what I was thinking about. But then like Gunther's already had, they, they had those brawls with the, with the brutes and, 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 and all that stuff going on at the end of last year and top of this year. There's only so many bodies that Gunther can really, you know, stack up against and, and, and really feels. So I think, yeah, at a certain point, I mean, he said Brock could be the final boss. Dare I say Gunther be the one that retires Brock out of the WWE? Because after that, who, 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 well, I'm saying if, if, if now you're if, speaking my language, Cal. If Brock Lesnar's on the mm. end of his journey as a pro wrestler. Who else on the card right now is believable? Aside from Roman Reigns, who's they've already gone back and forth so many times. It's a new matchup. It's someone that Brock is going to be able to, you know, maybe, you know, potato a little bit and get a couple of stiff shots back like they could have a real battle um that's after this Bobby Lashley situation I feel like that's going to be the final the final chapter instant star is what I see if Gunther takes out Brock Lesnar because what you do is you introduce him to the crossover appeal I remember when Brock um, made it public that he was going to re-sign with WWE back right ahead of his match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31. And he said, I'm here to entertain. But that was such a big deal. You know, it was on the major networks. And you look at a guy like Gunther, wrestling fans know who he is. People who are casuals, when they see him, he he passes the eye test. He passes the airport test. You put him in a uh, ring with Brock Lesnar, that is the icing on the cake. And like you said, I mean, Brock's greatest rival to me is Roman Reigns. Now, when it's time to pass the torch, it's Gunther. It makes total sense. I'm just picturing Brock selling the hell out of these chops from Gunther. 
and it's 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 already chef's kiss. We haven't even seen it. It's just a theory. It's hypothetical. I'm already in love with that idea, with that spot. Uh, I could see people popping like crazy for that. So bring it on. Let's do it. Put the put the intercontinental title on the line too. Just oh. just to sprinkle a little dust on it. Um, <laughs> just, and you it, want it's, this? It's gonna, you want this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's tempt Brock with the with the mid card title. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, see how much he bites. It'll, it, it'll be like a bullfighter, you know, with the with the with the with the right. cape or whatever. The the bull don't care that it's red. They just like, why the hell is he dangling a cape in front of me? Let me go show him. I don't want to have them do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. It could be fun. Exactly, exactly. Next up on High Spot headlines, Carmelo Hayes thinks his match against Apollo Cruz at Vengeance Day. Could have been better? Yeah, I understood where he was coming from as far as the crowd participation. They were kind of sitting back waiting. We've been watching wrestling long enough to know how often do you get a sweep, right? And when he got the second fall, it felt like, wait, he actually won this way? So I understood exactly where he was coming from as far as, you know, kind of wishing they could have sold that more. And the fans were kind of like holding back because they were waiting for that sudden death. Right. Round. So I understand exactly where it's coming from. But Melo, don't be too hard on yourself. It was I, still one of the best matches of the night. I, I, I think that's kind of what, like right now, Melo's trying to be, we're literally living, you know, not even 24 hours after, you know, LeBron James, you know, made history. I think like uh, Melo probably feels like he's in that rarefied air. You know what I'm saying? And it, it it's... Nothing short of great on any level is really because he needs those looks. You know, he he. When I first turned on Vengeance Day, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that oh yeah, the the little NXT show is going to look that massive. They got I'm seeing the the whatever the arena was. I forget what it was, but they they've got the lights up in in the upper sections. I'm like yeah, this it looks different. So I probably he probably wants to make sure that whatever he's doing steps up to the occasion. If if he feels it isn't, that just means you're going to get better. You know, tighter mellow stuff in the future so he so he doesn't feel like he's putting up subpar work or or, or less than standard work yeah and um, if you read the article too part of his reasoning was sean michaels told him at some point maybe before the match at the top of the show whatever that he was going to steal the show so in his mind he's putting on a five star uh with, with apollo cruz right so I get that, you know, it's just kind of the the expectations in your mind versus the reality of actually what happens. It probably just, you know, those two didn't meet. Right. I, I thought they still put on a banger. I mean, if anything, it might have been a little bit overbooked with the, you know, the involvement of, of sorry, I always forget his actual written Commander Aziz <laughs> uh, there at the end. But I still thought it was a fantastic match. So, Melo, don't be so hard on yourself. We, uh, we, we will always be here to we lift you up. <laughs> Last one. Here on High Spot Headlines, Dark Side of the Ring. Season 4 topics have been revealed. They include Abdul the Butcher, Mike Awesome, and Bam Bam Bigelow. Let's go. This this feels like the Phil Schneider season. I'm not going to hold you. But, <laughs> but that's, that's primarily because, I mean, and if you've, if you've never watched an Abdul the Butcher match, I mean, know that his, his weapon of choice was a fork. And if you, then you look, if you've ever, if you've ever looked at Dusty Rhodes, if you ever seen Dusty Rhodes, like, you know, the roadmaps in his forehead, Abdul the Butcher has like two or three really just deep scars because he would just go overseas. He would go to Mexico, go to Puerto Rico, wherever they were paying and just have these, you know, brutal brawls. Mike Awesome 
I first saw him in ECW for someone to be, you know, he, he was a, a big dude hitting people with power bombs through tables, but then like doing flips over the top rope and stuff like that. If I'm not mistaken, um, there's a the story of uh, Taz going from ECW to WWF at the time and having to drop the title involves Mike Awesome getting a win over. I don't know. He, he's got a really interesting place in the world of uh, pro wrestling. And he's one of those ones who like he like you talk about people who passed too soon. Um, you know, it's, 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 it would have been interesting to see what he could have done if he had a little bit more time. And I mean, I'm not going to make this the Jersey show, but I mean, the beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow mm-hmm. getting a, a I, I, I've been waiting for some type of, I've been waiting for Bam Bam Bigelow to, to get his just due for a bit, um, to see them really tell, you know, the story from the Asbury Park zone. Like I, I, I'm, I don't know what else is happening in season four, but I am, I'm extremely hyped for these three, especially. I, I don't know. I'm going to get my head tatted. I'm going to get some flames tatted on my head for uh, the Oh, yeah, do that. Band. Do that on the show. <laughs> yeah, for I'll, the show. I'll, 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 I'll live stream from the show, uh, <laughs> from, from, from the, the, yeah. the tattoo shop, getting a flames tatted on my bald head. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. Now, I'm excited, man. I, I enjoyed the Dark Side of the Ring series. Unfortunately, there's always going to be a Dark Side of the yeah. Ring. It's in the title. It's in the title yeah, of the really show. I'm really excited. Yeah, you know, and I'm really excited about Bam Bam Bigelow, maybe because WrestleMania 11 was a part of my famous mm. five tapes that I talk about. So it's one of the tapes that I watched every day after school and know the whole commentary. So I'm excited to hear them talk about that. Mm. And understanding the heat he had with the click, especially considering the fact, like, he didn't really, like, like them. And they always talk about that. But he, they always said, like, when it came time to give Vince McMahon their list of wrestlers that they would keep, he was always he on was their the one, list. Yeah. And well, you know, when you watch him, yeah, and when you watch him on Young Rock, the guy who plays him looks just like him. Mm-hmm. So I hope they do something when they do those uh, cinematic scenes that they got that guy in there. Well, when they do those cinematic scenes, I mean, you got to be hitting cartwheels, you got to be hitting moonsault, you got to be hitting, you got to be diving off the top rope, diving headbutts, standing dry. There's a, there's a clip on... I, there's a match that Owen Hart and Bam Bam Bigelow had. And when I t- I saw the, the they, they chopped it up on Twitter to make it a two-minute thing. Everything Owen Hart was doing, Bam Bam Bigelow was doing. Oh, I'm, I'm going to do a stand mm-hmm. and drop kick and not. You, I got you. Bar for bar, line for line. Like, Bam Bam was really gifted. Again, another one of those ones that, you know, what could have happened if they were, you know, had some more time or were in different situations. But uh, yeah, that 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 should be an interesting one indeed. You imagine him versus Keith Lee. I'm saying, like, you know, Ooh. like Bam Bam Bigelow was <laughs> he he was really. I I remember when um he first came to the WWF. Like it it was Bam Bam's coming. Like all it was manager heavy. All the manager he was like the number one draft pick. They were all trying to get him and. It never panned out for him like that. He probably saw more success in Japan, to be honest with you. But it was always ill to see him in America doing what he could do in the ring. Mm-hmm. That might be something we have to do in a future show is just fantasy book a current wrestler versus a past wrestler who's, who's no longer... I, I'm just throwing it out there. I like We're going to manifest it. Uh, I love it. Also, shout out to Bam Bam. He has a special place in my heart because I, when I was a kid, I used to play WWF WrestleMania, the arcade game. Like... Yep. <laughs> Addicted. And Bam Bam used to be my, my favorite opponent opponent to go against. Uh, and he was just, he was incredible. They had him listed at like 400 pounds in that game, yeah. which was just, as a kid, mm-hmm. was 
really hard to wrap your mind around. <laughs> Even when, like, Yokozuna was in that game, you're like, how are they, are they the how same they weight? Yeah, yeah, yeah this is, that, that is absolutely wild. So shout out, Bam Bam. I still Bam. have it. That, yeah, it's a, it's a great and, game. And on, uh, mm-hmm, and on WF Raw. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Both <laughs> elite games. Those are those might have solidified mm-hmm. um, my wrestling fandom for life. Indeed. What? There it is. You heard the drop. It is now time for they said what? The three of us have listened to the Masked Man Show and Cheap Heat, as I'm sure all of you fine listeners have as well because you're already subscribed to our wonderful feed here on the ringer wrestling show but we get to do something i'm sure you all wish you could do from time to time when you got the the airpods in we're going to respond to a take dropped by the likes of the legendary david shoemaker kaz peter rosenberg or stack guy greg and for the next edition of they said what Making his They Said What debut, one of the best in the business, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met, Kazim Famuide. Brian, play the clip. AEW needs some star power, some old guys, you know what I'm saying? The expiring contract of William Goldberg. <laughs> oh. Goes oh to God. AEW. He's back on Turner Network Television, the network he made famous for the rights to Swerve Strickland. All right. So, full disclosure, Brian and I were on this episode, and the internet reaction to this trade <laughs> was so toxic, it, beca- it, it got to a point where it was funny. But since we were there, Cal, we're going to lob it to you first to get in your response to Mr. Kaz Famuide's hypothetical wrestling trade in honor of the NBA trade trade deadline. Cal, what do you um, got? <laughs> um, first off, shouts to Kaz for real. Kaz, that's my guy. Um, I <laughs> I've seen the tweets, and the funniest tweet I saw was penalizing Kaz because. He was trading somebody who isn't currently on the WWE <laughs> roster or something like that. But uh, I think while I, I under in theory, I understand the the the, the storylines that he's setting up. I think MJF doesn't need if he needed an uncle. I don't know if that uncle would need to be Goldberg. I don't know. I that di- when I hear when I think about that dynamic. I I I don't want to say it's no buys, but I don't see any chemistry at all. And that's not from MJF. That's from Goldberg. So Goldberg's not a jokey joke witty guy. I've interviewed Ed Goldberg before. Like he's very much <laughs> about he, he's he's straight up and down about you know his life. On the flip side, and I'm not disrespecting any anybody, but I, I I would imagine that if Swerve Scott got traded from. AEW to WWE to be put in a hit row storyline again. Like, right, he's in a better position as a pro wrestler right now. He's the yeah the head of a crew. You can argue if that's a good position for him to be in, or if you know if if he's the one propping them up, or vice versa. You could argue if Rick Ross should be there more often. But uh, I don't know if 
Hit Row probably needs Swerve more than Swerve needs them, but I don't know if that's a story that anybody needs, especially with, you know, the time that Hit Row isn't getting on TV. I don't know if Swerve stop I don't know if Swerve going back to the WWE is going to immediately make them write Hit Row onto TV more. And there's probably better things for him to be doing over there anyway, if that were to happen. But th- those are those are my takes on uh, on Kaz's. Uh, and again, shouts to take taking that taking that swing. I mean, he, he he at least got the third. You know what I mean? But the people said, "Nah, walk it back, walk it back." I understand I, it though. I mean, Goldberg back on TNT television, though. I mean, that's a story in of itself. The What's this, what that's a story you want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The, I'm all for nostalgia, Cal. I was just talking about the WWF WrestleMania arcade game. From- no, 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 no. I like that, but my, w- that makes sense. What I'm saying is, so so Goldberg's going to go to AEW, show up on Dynamite, get the pop, you know, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, they'll do all of that. Mm-hmm. He's kayfabe his uncle, or he's legit his uncle? Because no, Goldberg a- and Friedman, I've never heard of those families <laughs> in pro wrestling being anywhere close to it. Isn't Goldberg down in, in Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, look, I, I think it's it's not actual uncle. I don't think they're doing a 23andMe type situation here where they they, they found it. <laughs> I but, think it's just, you know, his hypothetical uncle. So, uh, his, so wrestling, I- his wrestling uncle, if you will. So it would, it was like Because there's only so many things you can build that on. You know what I mean? And after a while, I think, and again, because I, when MJF's got that microphone, he's, he's, he is the one working. When Goldberg's got that microphone, he's just screaming. I don't, I, I, I. I right. And, but I think that's why the opposites attract here and when, where it could work. Like, you don't have to have Goldberg on the mic all the time. You just got to stand, you, you, have you him can't. standing behind MJF, looking mean, protecting this dude, spearing a couple people here and there. Like, he's not going to, I'm not saying, Put put these guys in a freaking tag team ladder match. You, you know what I mean? And you can absolutely you can, I, not. Shouts out to Virgil. How many times does Soul Man Jones show up on uh on AWTV? Like maybe twice. Like I I I think you would only get so much mileage out of whatever interplay Goldberg and MJF are supposed to have, and they only have four pay per views a year. So Goldberg, you're going to be building. He would, you would put him in now to build him towards Revolution, right? After yeah. Revolution, whatever that storyline is, he's not wrestling. You're not put. You said you're not putting him in tag matches. He's not talking every. It's going to be like a Jake the Snake Roberts. You know, shouts out to them, but it's like they 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 grab him, they have him as mentors, but then they don't do anything more with him. They they put him in these positions where they could be doing a lot and have a lot of potential, but. At a certain point, they're more, you know, wanting to have the in-ring stuff, which they're not going to be doing. You know what I mean? I I don't want to say Goldberg going over there would be a waste. I just, I don't think it would be a storyline. I feel like it would be, we're going to Atlanta, we're going to the Georgia Dome tonight, and we're going to have Goldberg come here and pop and and be in this skit with, with MJF, and then he'll talk about it, and then you won't see him ever again. You don't think it could have a Sting, Darby Allen effect? None, none of that. If if could the, I, the question Sting is much more of a lifer, so if Goldberg's willing to to come mm. out in the garb, point Spark, sparks flying, sparks in flying, the face. yeah, do nothing and then just go home. 
Yeah, he he if if he's down to do that, but I mean, from what I've seen from Goldberg over the last decade, at some point he's got to be in the match. At some point he's got to be in the title match. At some point he's got to be in you know a match with Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. Like that, I I I don't see those two things meshing on AEW. I I I don't, and I I hate to be the joy kill. I hate I'm not I'm not <laughs> the fun crusher. I'm I'm just being I'm just being honest. Sorry. I'm sorry with Twitter, Cal. I'm I'm saying I think Swerve the best thing for Swerve right now is to stay in AEW. That's fair. Uh what's mm-hmm. ironic though here, I don't know if ironic's the right word, but at least Cal had some rational explanation behind his why he's poo-pooing this. Every, everyone in the mentions he, was just was, going at was going at Kaz. Like he had he had taken their firstborn child. <laughs> it's, like, it's a fake trade. It's a Swer- fake. Swer- but Swerve's got a, a, a. I mean that that kind of speaks to the audience that Swerve has. You know, in terms of a fan That's base. True. Like That's fair. I, there was it was unrelated to this, but I saw something the other day. I saw there was another tweet, and the, the responses in the tweet about Swerve. They they were basically saying, well, I don't think he's he's long for pro wrestling anyway. They're like he's like a hit song away from being in the music industry, and I don't know how true or not true that is, but. People see him in spaces that aren't in AEW for forever. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that Kaz got annihilated in the tweets. Again, <laughs> s- salute to my brother for, for, for putting his opinions out there. You, that's, that's what we do every week. But uh, some weeks you have to hit the, the mute on, on, on those notifications. Cause, uh, and meanwhile, you're, you're triggering me to being David Stern <laughs> vetoing the Chris Paul to the Lakers trade. I just had everything that you just said, Cal, even though it made sense, it just, it just triggered. I'm me. sorry. I, it's, it's because I speak logically. Like, cause you, 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 you will have this conversation one day, but it's, it's the idea of because we watch and because we know stuff, things can be true, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you'll like them. You know what I'm saying? Like, Cody Rhodes is going to be in the main event at WrestleMania. I may not like that decision, but it's the truth, and I have to deal with happen. it. And I have to understand, yep. you know, it ra- so you have mm-hmm. to connect those dots and not just always work off of, you know, the ticker. I will say this. Mm. For those of you who, on the service, didn't enjoy the trade and uh, the rest of the trades <laughs> that we made on the Masked Man show on Monday... Check out the episode. There's we actually do, we don't just throw them out there. We actually explain our rationale and our thought process. And also, trades never happen. They'll never happen <laughs> in wrestling. This is all it's all hypothetical. We're right. having some fun. It's the NBA trade deadline. Trade deadline tomorrow. So uh, you know, we just we wanted to throw some uh, some hypotheticals at you. But all right, before we get wrestling Twitter even more angry at Kaz <laughs> again. Let's uh, let's take a quick break and we'll bring back some more anger for wrestling Twitter because we have a special, special guest, Cam Hawkins. I know you've all participated in his NGLs. He's with us after the break. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP 
and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are back. It is now time to bring in a special guest here on Wednesday Worldwide. We're going to keep a good thing going uh, by welcoming in another elite ringer.com wrestling scribe. He is a self-proclaimed lover of Blade 2, as well as obscure 90s sitcoms, and is one of the most prolific users of the NGL app I've ever seen on Twitter. (laughs) He is Cameron Hawkins. Cam, welcome to Wednesday Worldwide. How the hell are you? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. I'm busy, but blessed, you know, um, keeping this thing rolling, but I'm doing all right. Absolutely. That's that's awesome. Thanks again for for hopping on with us. And the reason we're having you on is because you dropped uh, a great piece late last week. Uh, it was entitled "Feeding Potential: WWE's NIL Athletes Prep for Greatness." And you know, I, I thought you did a great job uh, d- detailing that that dinner experience that that the third class of of WWE uh, NIL athletes had. And it was it was right before the Royal Rumble. Uh, and and they were there with some some current you know WWE greats you know Bianca Belair was there uh, Big E Omas and, and 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 you you wrote out and talked about some of their individual journeys uh, you know of these athletes that that have gotten them you know to this point and uh, you know I, I wanted to talk about for for those who are more unfamiliar with with WWE's NIL program uh, can can you run us through kind of some of the basics of, of how the members of these classes are, are are recruited. Like, like, how do these scouts decide to recruit someone across all the different college sports? Because they're all so so different in what they within what they are. So, is there something collectively that they're looking for when when they're scouting all these different athletes? The way it was explained to me, I mean, they're using the probably the similar recruiting services that schools are using. The college schools are using to look at high school kids. They're looking at tape they're looking at gpas they're looking at um, oh interesting yeah they're looking at things that they see um personally they're asking people on campuses from professors to advisors to um you know teammates and coaches they're asking them about these individual students about these individual athletes um okay. like they're really doing their homework on them and the way it was explained to me they're like you know we could sign thousands of people but we're narrowing that down, you know, based on these qualities we think somebody has to classes of 15, 20 each year. Yeah. So it's it's kind of everything. They are really doing their homework to really see who they think is going to fit um, as far as being a part of that WWE umbrella. Do now the thing with this is. We know, like, you've talked to people, you know, I, I think back to the work you've been doing on The Ringer since, you know, since you started blessing us with your, with, with your pen. Um, you know, you, you go through the Ricky Starks and you see, you know, the, the independent track that they had to get to where they are now in AEW, what have you. And it's interesting, when I'm editing it, it's interesting to think of WWE specifically going down that track of, of looking at high school tape, looking at college tape and, and getting experience and information on these people while they're still in school versus going down to PWG or going down to Ring of Honor or wherever they're going to grab talent, you know, uh, Reality of Wrestling, shouts out to Booker T. Um, but I wanted to know from you, how what are your thoughts on the WWE going down this track of trying to recruit 
college athletes from the ground up as opposed to going independent. And being that you were at that dinner experience, is there anyone from this third class that, you know, you kind of got your eye on in terms of potential in the WWE? I think um, what I found really interesting was uh, James Kingman is his name. I hope I didn't get his last name wrong. James Kingman, um, VP of talent over there at WWE. He did like a decade in UFC. Mm -hmm. And so we're sitting at the table. um, I want to say it's right before dinner. And it's, um, you know, he's sitting there. Bianca Belair's sitting there. Between Bianca and myself, it's a young lady named Allie Maddox and this kid named Turner Washington, right? And, uh, you know, Allie's cheerleader, dancer, been a million places. It's like four NIL deals. Turner Washington, and I really highlighted him in the piece, um, you know, big 6'4", 6'5", 290 kid, but like a svelte 290. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, dad was um, world champion uh, shot putter. He throws a shot put in the discus. And what was really interesting, I just kept looking at the kid's smile. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I see it. I see it. Like, baby face written all over him. But but what was was really cool was Turner is sitting there asking a million questions. How does this work? What is this? What can I expect? Uh-huh. And then, um, not to not to carry WWE's water, but like I'm big college athlete, GoPro person. Like you know, right. um, you know, I, I got every NCAA since like 07, NCAA football. So I'm recruiting, right. recruiting, recruiting. But what was really cool was um, with with James Kingman um, being with UFC for ten years, I got to tell Turner and Allie the story of a kid that I grew up with. This kid's name is Daniel Jolly. Daniel Jolly, biggest kid I ever met, uh, used to run over me in freshman football, did it again senior year, but he played ball at Colorado, played at Texas State as a running back. But he was always karate kid ever since we were little kids, right? So he makes it to UFC and has a couple of fights, uh, doesn't quite pan out. But I'm like, look, this is the baddest dude from San Antonio ever, one of the baddest dudes from Texas ever, and you never heard of Right. You know, and so what I think is interesting about what WWE is doing, James can kind of tell him that story of how hard it is to be a one of one athlete, whereas WWE, there's room for you to be the best dude, the third best dude, tag team dude, um, you know, Billy Kay uh, backstage cracking jokes like there's room for all that. And as we're talking, uh, it was really smart. They got SmackDown playing on the screen in the background. So me being me, I'm telling Turner to look. You see that dude top dollar right there? He did like a decade in the NFL, and now he's doing it. So I really like that they're doing that. Like you said, like a guy like Ricky Starks with, you know, all the tenacity and drive in the world on the independence. You know, Ricky also has like he's a deceptive six feet tall Right. And a solid 200 when he don't eat. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. he, he kind of does shatter some of those indie ideas, whereas I'm sitting in the room with, um, you know, you got Turner there, you got Kashawn Moore, edge rusher from Hampton. Um, mm-hmm. You got kid at the far table, tight end at Illinois, sitting next to Big E. And so I like it. I mean, we yeah. as much as we appreciate um smaller talent your your ricochets who are all world and your guys at, at AEW like your, your top flights who can do every single thing you know um there's still room for these big strong guys um and, and these actually and the, these like super athletic girls like they're mm-hmm. so smart putting like Bianca next to Allie 
because Bianca's got that deceptive size where, I kid you not, she's sitting there and she's wearing like this real nice black outfit and she takes off her jacket and her shoulders just expand to the whole room. You know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like there's that. So there's something to be said about these athletes who have been athletes their whole lives and putting them in position. Um, WWE being uh, what I consider to be like a stadium show and a stadium act um, should produce stadium athletes. And, and I think that it's great that they they have that pipeline. Um, somebody did ask me, I don't mean to, to just run and ramble, but like all these people. No, go ahead. Head. Go ahead. Um, somebody asked me if I felt like this was going to be a detriment to talents on the indies. And I was like, no, like if you're Carmelo Hayes, it don't matter what college they go to or who they bring in. When they get in there and roll around with you and need you to like to, to, to really like go through the motions and then get on that mic, nobody's touching you. You're special. Right. Special is special. But, however, if you can put a, a Big E in the room, if you can put a Bianca in the room, like these people who have been doing this for an extended period of time know what it takes. Um, when I think about The Rock, The Rock was going to be big Hollywood star, all that. The Rock's superpower is selling. The Rock would take that Stone Cold Stunner and he got shot. The Rock would take that gore and he got shot. Uh, Take a choke slam from Hurricane and and flip on your back like a fish. Like, there's something special about these kids who have been athletes their whole lives when they get in there. And they should absolutely cultivate that if they can. 100%. Indeed. Man, Cam, uh, a great article. Uh, One of the things that always uh, stuck out to me was the fact you talked about people like Bianca Belair, who didn't necessarily, she's been very open about not having aspirations to go to the WWE. So as I'm reading this and I'm learning about these athletes, I have to ask you this. Do you think those who didn't, because you brought up The Rock, and we all know, especially watching Young Rock, I know Ben isn't the biggest fan of it, (laughs) but... I love regular we rock. Know that the rock, regular rock. Okay, thumbs okay. up. Young rock. I'm but still. You, uh, I'm warming yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> and young rock was a wrestler fan, even though he wanted to go to the NFL. He, he was a wrestler fan, but somebody like Bianca wasn't. Do you think these athletes who aren't wrestling fans have less pressure because they could just focus on converting their athletic abilities into being a professional wrestler, as opposed to being having the pressure of being a fan and trying to emulate some of their favorite wrestlers and not letting them down. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, um, like you brought up Bianca as an example, you know, Bianca transferred um, twice. So she's been at three different schools running. And so she puts pressure on herself, right? Like there's a pressure that comes from her to succeed and, and to find the right fit. I think that, um, she talks about Mark Henry finding her at a CrossFit competition, right? Mm-hmm. Bianca is a perfect example of, I know what I'm capable of. This will translate to everybody else. So she's not chasing what like an edge was chasing, you know, like edge being that kid who I saw Hogan in Toronto and that was everything to me. And and granted he's made that happen for him. I think if, if, if you asked edge about coming out to the, um, in Houston to the Royal Rumble and that feeling, he would equate that. But no, Bianca gets to go in with a clean slate. Big E to a lesser extent, 
um, you know, because he was like, you know, Goldberg kid. But, you know, he he's chasing something different. Omos, who this wasn't his thing, he's always walked into the room and had that effect, but he gets to feel that. So I think what's really cool is they got a lot of athletes who ain't never had nobody cheer for them. And what I mean is when you're playing D1 soccer, it's dope to the 60 people who would air. Right. Or the people watching on ESPN, the Ocho. But ain't nobody ever yelled your name. Um, the kid, Kishon Moore, um, the other kid they had played tight end, like Big E, explain to him. I, I was a backup D lineman with a helmet on. Ain't nobody ever cheered for me. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody yelled my name. They cheered for the action, but not the individual, right? So absolutely. Like, like it's a lot of them, when they were in high school and middle school, they were absolutely the baddest thing their city and their school had ever seen, right? that dies down in college because what you're doing is different. You're around people like you, but now you get to jump back out of that shell and you get to like really experience um, adulation and adoration in a different way for the first time. It is way less pressure. And especially because again, they're being asked to be the best athlete they can be. And they get an instant reaction from what they're doing. I think that's a high that's hard to chase. And when you are, superior athlete yeah I, I think there's there's less pressure for it to happen and there's a different reaction when it does like i, I think it really is going to help some of them explode like like look at like chad gabe who um you know collegiate athlete olympic alternate what nobody watching him try out for the olympic team it was him and them coaches <laughs> and some scouts right yeah but he gets to go out there and throw some of the craziest he flipped braun Strowman on a german suplex I'm sure that was the craziest thing he ever heard. And I think that contributes to why we're getting the best out of him that we are right now. So absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. Indeed. Well, Cam, we could we could probably talk about the third NIL class for another 20, 30 minutes if we wanted to. We got we gotta get you out of here so we can get through the rest of this show. But before we do, again, Mr. NGL, Mr. Timeline, between last night's NXT. And tonight's dynamite. Is there one thing in particular that has your attention? Just like has you captivated right now? And and if so, what is it? Soul Ruka. Soul Ruka. Um, I am just blown away. You know, um, you can again being being somebody who um follows college sports like crazy, you you see an athlete and you know they're an athlete when you see them. I didn't know anything about her before she starts getting in there and moving. And when she just does like a springboard superfly splash, it's the way her body contracts. It's the way her shoulders pull back and the way she extends. Um, you know, what is she? Um, she was an acrobat at Oregon or a tumbler at Oregon. Um, Something like that. Yeah. Wrong. But, but yeah, man, I think that looking at her, if she wants to do this, man, she's going to be so good. Um, and, and I'm I'm at the dinner and I'm we're just bringing up names and I'm like she's cold and they're like yeah 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 she's cold and Omos is like I love Odyssey Jones and, and just the way that they talk about those kids is is really great because they're really high on them but yeah man I think Sol Ruka has a real future in this um you know we we need more kids to come from uh, dreadlock surfer dads to get into wrestling. <laughs> I was more of that. I was gonna say because I at Shasta NXT they dropped the Black History Month image and I saw her on there and I said, "Wait, what?" Because I I I had heard that she had blown up on TikTok, but yeah, I think I found her mother's page and and yeah, you, super dread. And then I mean, hey, shouts to that. I, I I'm glad that they made sure to put that out there. I mean, 
every time she wrestles, you know, there's another clip of her on the timeline. So uh, if you don't know who Sol Ruka is yet, pay attention. Right. Well, Cam, th- thanks so much for for coming on with us today. Uh, b- before y- you you pop off, uh, tell the people what you've got going on and and where they can find you and and all your amazing work. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, of course, theringer.com. Um, we are. I think we're like six articles deep now, just about. Um, most recent one talking about WWE NIL, the future um, that they're planning out, long term uh, goals for their athletes. Um, finished the year, finished 2022, talking to Sting. Um, still just crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's been great. Um, my, my goal over there has been to tell people about people. I think that we can talk about, you know, suplexes and pay-per-views all day. And there's some great people writing about that. Um, if I'm not doing something different, I feel like I'm not contributing. And mm. so I really want to tell people about people. I want you to care about why this person's wrestling, you know, why this person has this passion and what it's going to lead toward and what brought them here. So i uh, got some cool stuff coming up on the AEW side, cool stuff on the WWE side. So yeah, the ringer.com. Um, just look for the name Cameron Hawkins. Um, follow me at your own peril on Twitter. Seahawks, H-A-W-K. <laughs> and I tell you what, those NGL questions will keep coming. Um, I selfishly, that's how I generate ideas for the day. It contributes <laughs> a lot to what I do. So yeah, man, uh, find me on your socials, uh, on a phone, or computer or tablet near you. There it is. Cam, you're, you're the best. You're the best. Uh, thank you again for hopping on, and we will absolutely, absolutely have you back on again soon. It's appreciated. Y'all take care. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and before we get out of here, let's hit on last night's NXT and tonight's upcoming episode of Dynamite. Uh, we'll start with NXT. Let's let's each pick the biggest thing that stood out to us from NXT, and then we'll uh, we'll pick one to go about more in depth. So, Cal, kick things off for us. What was your biggest <laughs> NXT takeaway? Speaking of kick, you meant the, the way I, I I need to know if. Uh, Gigi Dolan's okay because the way her head got kicked <laughs> up against that door, um, yeah, it, did, it, it, it didn't look nice. So that was yours. Okay, Brian, what do you have? So, I mean, there you go again. <laughs> Samesies? Samesies? Yes. I, I mean, I had flashbacks. I talked about flashbacks earlier. So I was a big Marty Jannetty mark. Mm. I just rewatched this doc, the HBK doc on A A uh, E over the mm. weekend. Was, uh, oh. Mm. Love it, barbershop window. So, so I ain't gonna get crushed for being a Brutus fan, like uh, being a Marty Jannetty fan, like I was for being a Brutus I don't, fan. I, I, but I, I think because Marty but, didn't have a strut, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, but like I was so I was one that like growing up, I, I vaguely like I remember the Rockers, but I was still like kind of developing to like understanding the 
the tag teams in the mid card, right? Yeah. But I remember the music vividly. So Marty was the one I chose to like more. And of course, I, I liked who they told me to like. I dislike who they told me to dislike. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is genius. <laughs> if, if you look on the timeline, too, there's already people who have done, uh, I think Promo Joe did it, where the, the split screen, were, and, and they were very good. You know, the, the hands in the air, you know, when, when, once, and once she put the arm down and was going, I was like, oh, 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 I know what I know, I know what's going on. It was, it was, it's, it, it's, <laughs> they, they did a really good job. It's similar to when Bianca and Alexa Bliss did the Scary Movie 3 uh, stuff in that match from Raw mm-hmm. a, couple, uh, a, couple, yes, a couple months ago at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this was also mine. So we were three for three <laughs> on what I we enjoyed it. from NXT mm-hmm. last night. I mean, I think JC Jane and Gigi Dolan are like, I, I bought into that triple threat they had with Roxanne over the weekend where, mm-hmm. you know, it's the classic, are we going to work together? We're tag team partners going for the biggest prize in the game. I thought they played it well. And I mean, the, what really put this over for me, the breakup was Bailey's involvement, right? Because, I mean, first of all, just anything Bailey is in, I'm in on. Uh, you got to rep for the Bay at all times. But, um, I mean, this makes sense. That I think from a storyline perspective, it's, it's just, I, I'm a big fan of Gigi and JC like individually. And I, I forgot if we talked about it on this show or, or, or a different one, but... Um, the fact that they're still here, that they're still in the main event picture after what ha- everything that happened with Mandy Rose, just, I mean, cr- all credit to them for, for kind of holding it together. Seriously. All, all credit to, to, you know, Sean and everyone at NXT for still believing in them because what they were doing with Mandy was fantastic. And I think what they can do individually, I'm convinced now that they, that they can do it, right? And so this was a, uh, this was a great, Great way to kind of keep the story going. And that, I mean, all NXT breakups and feuds that between former friends, uh, I, I don't know that they've missed yet, right? Uh, we, you know, KO and Sammy, right? Uh, you know, uh, Gargano and, and Ciampa. So it's, uh, there's a good, there's a history here that I think we can, we can build and upon. You know what? With this right here, they have, in my opinion, officially separated themselves from Mandy Rose. Yeah. Yes. That's a great point. Now great point. They ha- they have their own story and you're going to be thinking more so on the fallout, the build up, how they're going to go back and forth. I thought this was done well. I thought they did a phenomenal job in the match on Saturday with Roxanne mm-hmm. and establishing themselves as individuals. This right here topped it off and now we're going to be looking at JC and Gigi versus Oh, the two ladies who's with Mandy Rose. I think a year from now, I'm not going to say we're going to like totally forget about it, but we're going to be so more focused on that story that we're not going to be thinking that they were left over. Right. hundred percent. Absolutely. I, I, I just want to know, it, was the door supposed to move or not? Because G, again, <laughs> I, I really hope G, G, if, G, if you, we don't see Gigi for a bit and then you hear that, like, you know, she had, the, I, I would, I would understand because that, that last kick, oof. Mm-hmm. Brutal. It's brutal. Um, and, and, you know, shout out to NXT. They, all the women fuse they got down there. Like, fire. absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of women's wrestling. You got Cora Jade, who, you know, she's still looking at Roxanne. She's uh, lurking. She's lurking. Rox- That's right. Yes, yeah, definitely lurking. You got Miko Satomura, who's going to come team up with Roxanne to go against the former tag champions. Uh, so it's so much going on down there. Shout out to them. 
Looking at tonight's AEW Dynamite, what's the one thing you're looking forward to most? Brian, we'll start with you. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there, but I just mentioned how much of a women's wrestling fan I am, and I'm actually looking forward to Jamie Hayter and The Bunny. Uh, okay. I've always been a fan of The Bunny, especially a lot of her work on the independence. She's a former WSU women's champion. She held the title for a long time before dropping it to Mercedes Martinez. And, you know, a lot of her incredible work at Impact Wrestling. So I'm excited to see her get this opportunity. I love the work that Jamie Hayter is doing, too. So this is the match I'm actually the most excited for. Okay, there we go. Cal, what do you have? I, uh, I, I top flight. And AR Fox have been, uh, they've been burning on TV for a minute. You know, every the, the top flight had a great match with uh, Danielson and Moxley not too long ago, where it, it kind of felt like once they had that match, they started to t- take them seriously as a team. Um, I love the idea of having a trios title because you get to have these types of matchups. You get right. to see Kenny Omega and Dante Martin or, or you know, uh, one of the Jacksons and an AR Fox, you know, getting there and really be able to, to have some dope combinations and, and, and mix it up. Um, maybe the most high flyingest thing of the night. Um, and, uh, the the way these Danielson matches have been going, I I I it, it hopefully Danielson wins, and this is just another great match, and it's not like Danielson is getting messed with and cheated on. So I have to watch this match. It's kind of like a pick me up. You feel what I'm saying? There, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there we go. All right, and I I I'm, I got a different one, which is great. I have the acclaimed taking on the guns for the uh, the tag titles, also potentially for the love of Billy Gunn. I, I don't know if that's on the line, but uh, I just it assume be. it always is. Yeah, <laughs> it may be. Is it Billy Gunn on a pole match? It's, it's one of these things. <laughs> so, <laughs> guys, that is how you do Wednesday. Uh, what, a, what, what a fantastic week of wrestling that we just had, and I'm looking forward to another one. Be sure to check out our other Ringer Wrestling Show offerings as we are coming to you every single day of the week. We've got the Masked Man Show with David Shoemaker and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays. We've got Cheap Heat on Tuesdays and Fridays with Peter Rosenberg and Stat Guy Greg. And you'll find Wednesday Worldwide. Worldwide! Smack dab in the middle on, of course, Wednesdays. Uh, If you're not already, please follow, subscribe, and hit us with those five-star ratings here on the Ringer Wrestling Show feed. Cal, Brian, thank you as always for the wrestling chat. Everyone, we will catch you next week. Worldwide!